0: An Alert Carolina message went out earlier this afternoon, notifying folks that UNC police are investigating a string of motor vehicle break-ins. There have been 15 reported since yesterday alone. Most of them are in the vicinity of Skipper Bulls Drive. Reminder to keep your vehicle locked and hide or take valuables with you before you leave your parked car. Turning now to election news. 97.9 The hills, bringing you candidate intros once again. We've covered a whole lot of the local races for these municipal elections. We are now in the Pittsburgh Board of Commissioners candidates. We invite the candidates into our offices, ask them a series of questions pertaining to their campaign. They are limited in how long they can talk as we keep each intro around five minutes. You can head to chapelborough.com to find links to each candidate's website, the questions we ask, and all the candidate intros after they've aired on the radio. This is the final day of hearing from candidates in the Pittsburgh Board of Commissioners race. Earlier in the show, we heard from John Foley. We will now hear from
1: candidate C.P. Stewart. Hi, I'm C.P. Stewart, and I'm running for commissioner in the town of Pittsburgh. My inspiration... Primarily comes from my children. I have two sons. They're nine and seven. I was in the Marine Corps. Marine Corps were taught to lead by example. So the example I set for them is going to be part of the education that they receive. We live in a world governed by a democratic process, and it's a process that demands participation. With my children, I want to make sure that they're aware of this process. They see what goes into this process. They may not know exactly what dad did back when he ran in 2023, However, they're going to remember this as they see my my yard signs up, the events that I attend, the questions that people ask me, my engagement in the community, what I do with the VFW. They're constantly watching. I have to make sure I'm setting that example. The top three issues of my campaign would be community engagement in the democratic process, communication with the citizens of Pittsburgh, and the promotion of downtown businesses. When it comes to community engagement, this is important because the power does rest with the people. By delegating everything to the board, that is putting the hands, the fate of Pittsburgh in the hands of five commissioners and a mayor. And that's not representative. We need more engagement from our people. And I think that ties into the second thing, communication. We need to make sure we're getting word out. PittsburghNC.gov contains a lot of information, but it's not concise and it's not consolidated. So figuring out a way Where we can get more, I want to say entertaining, but also real information out to our local residents, be it through podcasts, YouTube videos, TikTok videos. We need to be getting our information out in the way that the community is receiving it. So we have community involvement, we have communication, and then the promotion of downtown businesses. When it comes to Chatham Park, we're going to see them... Offer everything that downtown Pittsburgh has. So by promoting our downtown businesses, that's where our economy comes from. Downtown attracts so many people. It is unique. They see it. They're like, oh, I love the bricks. I love the courthouse in the middle. More of these hangout places with shops where we are an attraction, that's going to help us. So my campaign is built on those three bases. I want to engage the community more, communicate with them more, and promote our local economy. The board has responded well. We're a small town faced with this huge development. There's so much coming, and you never really know what problems you're going to have until you're in the middle of the fight. And in addition to just the development, the water issue came in, and then sewer capacity. How do we solve sewer capacity? I think our board has handled things phenomenally. Chatham Park is an amazing development that's coming in. It's wonderful, but it's a setting in and of itself. Downtown Pittsburgh, similarly, is its own setting. When I view Chatham Park and downtown in the future, I see them retaining their identities. Downtown will be a downtown place for downtown businesses. Little bakeries, little coffee shops, things that are unique to Pittsburgh. Whereas Chatham Park is going to bring in your Jersey Mike's, your Zaxby's, your chain restaurants. And so I see a compliment happening here. Chatham Park is going to offer convenient services that downtown Pittsburgh doesn't offer and doesn't want to offer. So I don't really see like everything bonding together and meshing, but I do see them retaining their unique identities and complementing one another. So in my own words, the best possible future for Pittsburgh as it grows is one where residents are together. People are informed, the people are participating, and the people's views are not being ignored. Whether you live in Chatham Park or downtown or on the outskirts in the ETJ, all opinions are important when it comes to Pittsburgh's growth because the board governs the zoning. The people in the ETJ have wants that don't apply to downtown. The people of Chatham Park have wants that don't apply to the ETJ. All of these issues, it's going to require the whole community. When voters see my name on the ballot this year, I want them to see a leader. I want them to see someone who's going to encourage them to engage. I want to see somebody who's going to motivate them. I want them to see somebody who's going to help guide them through the difficult times that we're getting ready to face. There will always be issues. There will always be challenges. When they see my name on the ballot, I want them to see somebody who's not going to take control and just make a decision. I want them to see someone who's going to engage them and who's going to ask for their feedback and who's going to make an informed decision about the issues that, are, that we face. Pittsburgh Board of Commissioners candidate C.P. Stewart speaking there. You can find
0: all of the candidates for Pittsburgh Board of Commissioner and all the other local offices by visiting the 2023 elections tab on Chapelboro.com. Tomorrow, we will conclude our series by hearing from our three mayoral candidates who are running unopposed. Keeping it with local elections now, Indy Week endorsements are in. They put their support behind Jess Anderson for mayor, In the race for Chapel Hill Town Council, they endorsed incumbent Amy Ryan as well as newcomers Melissa McCullough and Theodore Nollert and Eric Valera. The publication also gave an honorable mention to John Mitchell. Indy Week endorsed in the uh, Chapel Hill Carborough City School Board of Education race as well. There are are four seats open in that race and the publication endorsed two candidates, incumbent Ronnie Dossie and newcomer Barbara Fetters. Turning to Raleigh now, where several of the laws recently enacted after veto overrides from the General Assembly are being challenged in court. Several challenges coming to Senate Bill 747, which changes several aspects of state election law. Governor Cooper filed a suit challenging Senate Bill 749, which gives lawmakers control over state and county election boards. One of the storylines here locally last year during the school year was Chapel Hill-Carborough City Schools' recurring bus route cancellations due to a driver shortage. So far this year, that's not been the case. Deputy Superintendent for Operations Al Shiroki spoke with 97.9 The Hill about what is different this year.
2: So at the uh, end of the school year, our school board uh, made the decision... Uh, you know, we had had several proposals that came forward and they made the decision to increase the hourly rate for uh, our driving staff. And in doing so, uh, we were successful in being able to hire uh, quite a few bus drivers this summer, uh, one to fill the vacancies that we had last year, but as in every school year you have folks that retire, go elsewhere, um, and so though we're not fully staffed, uh, we are pretty close to where we're able to provide our services each and every day. Um, now be it, we have uh, several drivers that get sick, there may be on occasion where we may have to limit our routes that are available, uh, but we do monitor that daily, And uh, but much better start. And uh, again, our community has been very very understanding and cooperative in, in helping us work through that so that we can get the routes uh, in order so that our children can get to school uh, to and from each and every day.
0: Chapel Hill-Carborough City School Deputy Superintendent for Operations Al Shiroki there. You can find that full conversation at Chapelboro.com. Finally, we've got new COVID-19 numbers this afternoon from state health officials, and they bring mixed signals. Hospitalizations are down to their lowest number since August, but COVID particles and wastewater had its first increase in over a month. Keep an eye on those figures going forward. After years of fundraising, design work, and efforts to receive town approval, the local nonprofit Empowerment broke ground on its first ever new for rent housing project, which will be for some of our most vulnerable residents. 979 The Hills Brighton McConnell was there at
3: the groundbreaking. (laughs) Around 100 people gathered on Johnson Street in the Pine Knolls neighborhood in Chapel Hill Tuesday morning, cheering as a dozen local leaders and nonprofit staff shoveled the first dirt of the Peach Apartments project. Peach stands for Pine Knolls Empowerment Affordable Community Housing and is a project of Empowerment Incorporated, a nonprofit in Chapel Hill that helps find and provide housing while encouraging homeownership for the area's low income residents. The 10 units of housing at Johnson Street will be dedicated to people earning 30% or less of the Area Median Income, or AMI. The nonprofit raised $3.5 million to not only cover construction costs, but to build the project debt-free in order to keep its commitment to tenants of affordable rents. Before it was set for Peach, though... 107 Johnson Street was known for being the home to the Pine Knolls Community Center, an independent facility run by longtime resident Ted Parrish. The main building and playground served as a spot for children to come play and residents of the historically black neighborhood to meet for years. Empowerment Executive Director Dolores Bailey said, as time went on, Parrish approached her with a different plan in mind for the property. He wanted it to be housing for teachers. And the more he talked about it, the more I caught hold to his vision. And so we started thinking like, okay, we'll do affordable housing there. But then we understood the need, the greatest need, was for those families at 30% and below. That's people making minimum wage, $12 an hour. Where are they going to live? The newer vision for the site was designed by Chapel Hill architect Josh Gerlitz, who described creating such housing for low-income residents as something he, quote, very much cares about. Gurlitz said that creating a design and layout of the site that helps further cultivate community among its residents was, quote, foremost in his mind. Not only through a garden at the center and a rain garden and playground toward the back of the property, he said the mix of unit sizes with each other also aims to achieve that sense of togetherness. I hope very much through the way we've configured them and organized them that we'll be able to have a, a mix of ages living in this one subcommunity of the larger community and that mix of ages will include everything from community elders up to young families. While Bailey pointed to the turnout of town and county leaders at Tuesday's ceremony as a testament to the community's buy-in on the project, others also pointed to Bailey's focus on accomplishing this goal for her organizations and fellow Chapel Hill residents. The groundbreaking on Tuesday was a ceremonial benchmark for the project, but the completion of fundraising over the summer marked a more tangible one for Bailey, as it helped affirm her vision for setting an example for other groups looking to address affordable housing shortages. She said, This is just the beginning. We can do more. It's not going to be easy. But now that we've done it, we've broken the ground now. And I don't see anything that can stop us from building more. Indeed, Bailey's peers made that clear through a cheer toward the beginning of Tuesday's ceremony.
2: Peach number one, the first of
3: (laughs) the You can see photos from the groundbreaking of the Peach Apartments on Chapelboro.com. For 97.9 The Hill, I'm Brighton McConnell. Time now to talk sports.
0: In the world of sports, not a lot going on today. We did have some action last night. Men's soccer was hosting William & Mary, and they played a full match worth of soccer and ended up with a nil-nil draw. Next up for the men's team, they'll host Louisville on Sunday. to the women's basketball team now, Alyssa Usby has been named to the Cheryl Miller watch list for the best small forward in the country. Congratulations to her. And we also learned from Carolina Performing Arts that they'll be unveiling their latest in the series, Artists are Athletes, Athletes are Artists. It's a video featuring Sam Meza and Michelle Dorrance. That is the daughter of Anson Dorrance, who's also an internationally renowned tap dancer. Video will debut at halftime of tomorrow's women's soccer match against Notre Dame.